Welcome to the Bravo Papers, a safe space for all us Bravo fans who love to analyze, deconstruct, and talk about our favorite Bravo shows ad nauseum. There's no such thing as overanalyzing or reading too much into your favorite Bravo shows and Bravo celebrities here. So join me, Bravo and Botox, as I find the depth amongst the shallow. Welcome to another episode of the Bravo Papers, Bravo Weekly News. I have a very special episode for you today that I think you're going to enjoy, and that is a New Year's Day episode. So happy 2020. What did I just say? Happy 2024. And we're going to look back on, you know, the year that has passed and all the Bravo things that have gone on. And there are many, 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 many things that have gone on for sure. Um, But what I did was I made a list of the biggest moments of 2023, which this part I'm going to be sharing with all my listeners. But for you, the Patreon, I'm going to be doing an extra, like an extra, I don't know, half hour or so, whatever it ends up being, I'll, I'll see when I'm done, um, with the biggest flops of 2023 and the biggest surprises of 2023, um, on top of the biggest moments in general. So, first of all, thank you to everyone with your advice about the handwriting for Santa. I, okay, so wait till you hear this. So I put the wrapping paper, the Santa wrapping paper in the closet behind these coats. And I'm like, she never goes in here. She's never going to see these, this wrapping paper. Then I come home from work on Thursday last week. And my husband and her are already home. They'd already gotten home. And she heard me coming in. So she went and hid. And of course, does she not choose to hide in the closet where I put the wrapping paper? And it's literally right in front of her face. Now, it was dark and she didn't say anything and has not brought it up or acknowledged it. So I'm I'm going with that because I already wrapped all my damn Santa gifts and I'm not fucking rewrapping them. So there's that. <laughs> okay, so. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? You know what? I'm kind of looking forward to a week of less Bravo shows. The roundups are killing me. And people on Instagram are annoying me. Not you guys. But I like, listen, there are so many shows on. There's a million shows. Not, not a million, but there's a lot of shows on, okay? And I'm doing roundups. It takes me, like... Listen, I'm not trying to be a drama queen, but to do a roundup for one show takes at least two hours. I have to find the tweets. I have to screenshot the tweets, you know, erase all the, you know, date and shit around them so they look nice and clean because I'm anal. 
And then if it's a video, if it's like um, a GIF or an animated with sound, I got to screen record it. Then I got to go in Canva and I got to make it into an Instagram post. And then I've got to download it to my phone, which actually does take a long time. And it takes a while. Um, just finding the tweets takes a while. So, you know, two hours times however many shows are on this week. Married to Madison, Potomac. Housewives of Beverly Hills, Housewives of Miami, Southern Charm. So I chose not to do Winter House because I physically can't. There are literally not enough hours in the day. I get home from work. My daughter's all over me all night. She's, the second I sit down and look at my phone, she's upset and she's on. Like, I can't. I just can't do it. I only can do my roundups, like, when I get into bed, she's in bed and she's gone and then even then, sometimes I'm just so fucking tired. I need to go to sleep. Like, I need to sleep. I'm a human. So I had all these people like, you're not doing winter house. Where's the winter house roundups? And you know, I'm like, I, I, so I told people, I'm like, I can't. It's too much. And most people accept that answer and they're cool about it. Then I posted it and someone was like, can we be done with winter house? I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Like, can I, like, just be happy with what you're getting for free? Um... <laughs> It's like, it's one of those things. I am, and then, you know, and then I posted the Winterhouse ones and someone else commented and was like, oh, what? So we're just not doing Southern Charm this week? I'm like, I haven't even fucking watched it yet. Like, this was yesterday. I'm like, it is the week leading till Christmas. I'm wrapping gifts. I'm fucking working. And I work full time up until I worked yesterday, the 23rd. I'm not like fucking off work early. So I'm like, people need to just curb their expectations here. Or you know what? I'm like, I want to be like, she speaks Bravo. I was complaining to her about this. And she was like, you should just respond with like, here's the link to my buy me a coffee. Like you want something, pay for it and support me. And like, sometimes I want to say that, but I just can't say that. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you guys that I'm thinking it, but anyways, listen, I do my best. I want to do roundups of all the shows. I want everyone to get the shows that they like and to laugh and to have fun. I like, I really honestly enjoy doing it. But you know, when it gets like, when it gets to feel like people are giving you orders and like you work for them, that's when it gets annoying. You know what I mean? Like it's different with like, if you're, uh, you know, if it's like this, like Patreon, and I have people who are paying for a service. That is completely different. You know, like I would be like beating myself up if I didn't release my Patreon episodes when people are paying for that. That makes sense. But it's like the Twitter roundups, like it's free. It's free content, you know, and it's like also just a little bit of patience, people. Patience goes a long way. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this because you are like my Patreon people who would not do that and not be rude about it. I'm fine. When people ask me and they're nice about it, I'm like totally cool with that. It's when people are just like have an attitude. That's what I can't stand. I just need to vent. You're my people to vent to. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get into the moments. And I'm not just going to like be cliche and just list them. Like I'm going to like talk about things with some like new thoughts. So obviously the biggest moment of 2023 was Scandaval. Okay. 
So I was thinking, I'm like, how do I make this like interesting? Because I don't want to just talk about Scandaval because we're all sick of it. I'm going to more talk about kind of like my experience with Scandaval and just my favorite moments of Scandaval, which are not maybe the ones that people would expect. So first of all, okay, when I, I'm trying to think. Okay, so when Scandaval happened, I think I had like, I think I was like at like 28 thousand followers or something like that. And I was just doing Twitter roundups. That was what I was doing. I was starting to become a little more like known in the Bravo content creator community. I think at that point I, I'm trying to think, was I on? No, I wasn't ever on a podcast yet, nor did I have a podcast. So I was driving home from work and it popped up on my phone and I was at a red light. So I looked because it was like heavy traffic and I was sitting there and I looked and I had like 10 minutes left in my drive and I just was like, oh my God, oh my God, the whole drive. And then I got to a grocery store parking lot. I pulled in. I didn't even go home. I went to the grocery store by my house because I knew once I went home, my daughter would be like all over me. I was like, I need to read <laughs> I need to fucking read what's going on with uninterrupted, which I did. And honestly, Scandaval, like, and, you know, we talk about how it changed so many people's lives. I honestly think it changed my life as well as a content creator because Scandaval is what got me into podcasting. Like, I put up a post where I ranted about how Tom Schwartz has always been the villain and how Tom Sandoval has always been his, like, abuser. And it was basically like a bunch of tweets that I had put out and I posted them to my Instagram and people fucking loved it. I had done rants before that people really liked, but this one was like popped off and she speaks Bravo side and her and I had already been friendly and talked, but that made her ask me to come on her podcast. And that was my first podcasting experience, which kind of like gave me the bug, I guess. And then from there, like I went on, um, what's it called? Uh, Kendrick's podcast, reality and comics too. And like, I just like, I was like, maybe I should get into this because I was like, listen, I'm anonymous. And I, so that's why I kind of never thought to do it. Cause I was like, well, I'm like a non, so what's like, I don't know. Am I going to have a podcast? But then I was like, why not? It's just my voice. It's not like I have to like tell everyone who I am and everything about me. But then because of that, it just like I had all these ideas, all these things I wanted to say about Scandaval and about the Vanderpump Rules cast that I had had in my head forever. And to type them out and do Instagram, like it would just be a lot. I'm like, not that a podcast is less work because it's probably more, but I was like just somewhere where I can like, I have all these analyses like this one that I would love to share. So I think if it wasn't for Scandaval, I don't know if I would have done the podcast thing. Like my first episode was my deep dive into Raquel Levis. People fucking loved it. It was great. However, it was a ton of work, like rewatching everything. And that was just from like season six or seven to the recent season. So I, I did realize that I bit off more than I could chew um, in terms of like doing the deep dives. 
um, because I can do them. I just can't do them every month. It's just not humanly possible unless I never sleep or shower or see my family. Or if I quit my job, I could. That's the only way. So none of those things are happening. Um, <laughs> until maybe I get enough money from this one day, maybe I could quit my job. That's kind of the hope. <laughs> That's my like pie in the sky dream. Now, the other thing was that getting into all that, like I was so enamored with the Scandival as we all were, that I was like, I just want to talk about this 24 seven, like that, you know, so that was, so this really, it really changed things for me. Another thing that I don't often share, cause I don't want to be like braggy, but I'll tell you guys cause we're on Patreon, but like the amount of new followers I got in the first four days of Scandival, I think I got almost 10,000 new followers, which I know that sounds fucking crazy, but it was definitely seven and above. And then it just kept blowing up because I was doing lots of roundups about every fucking thing that was happening with Scandaval. So that was one of my favorite things about Scandaval is that it changed. It just kind of changed like the landscape for so many of us, like content creators. And it gave us like more ways to it gave us a bigger audience, ways to reach out to more people, way, new ways to make money, to support ourselves. Um, and it, I think it was just like, people talk about all the money Ariana's made off of it. Kind of a lot of people have profited off of it, if we're going to be completely honest about it. So the other thing that I loved, my other favorite moment, so that was my first, okay, was just the changes that it made, um, for my own life. Like never did I think that Tom Sandoval cheating would have an effect on me, but it did. Um, the other, my second thing about Scandival favorite moment was the redemption of Katie and myself. So the season started, I was very pro Katie. Not because Katie's always been my favorite or I'm a stan of her or anything. It's not none of that. I just always felt that Katie was in an emotionally abusive relationship and she was acting out because of it. I did feel like she had her moments where she deserved her lashings for being a mean girl with her, with Stassi and Kristen. But I didn't think that was like her, like, I don't simplify people down to one thing. And I thought that was part of her, but not all of her. Um, so I think the redemption of Katie and people kind of seeing that like Katie has other sides to her that we just never get to see because of Tom Schwartz and that toxic, toxic relationship and just the fact that he was always the the victim, even when he was being a complete asshole, like it was like people would just forget about it and then they'd forgive him and move on. But Katie never got that grace. Like when Tom Schwartz like cusses her out in season, is it season nine? Whatever the season was where um, Rand does the police uh, prank. And that was where... I guess I can't remember exactly what he said, but Tom Schwartz was something like, look at you. I'm like disgusted looking at you. It was something along those lines, something like really bad. Even like people were pissed about that, but it was also like kind of forgotten. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? Whereas like people are still on Katie about stuff that she did in like season one. So I feel like the women on the show, people always have the long-term memory for them. And the men on the show have kind of a short-term, you know, the audience has a short-term memory with them. And they've just never gotten it as bad as the women on the show. And I'm not saying that the women don't deserve it for some things. They do. It's just they just 
the punishment is always bigger for the women. So I was a li- I was team Katie. Okay? She was in this toxic relationship. I felt for her. And then in early January, the news kind of broke that one of the storylines was going to be Raquel going after Tom Schwartz, kissing Tom Schwartz, something like that. Okay? So I listen I was not, I was never a fan of Raquel. I thought she was so annoying. I found her to be kind of thirsty and like sort of like thirsty for the guys. I don't know. I just got a bad, bad vibe. And so the season, like we didn't know about Scandaval or anything. The season hadn't even started. And I posted this on my Instagram. Okay. So first of all, I think we were kind of talking about, um, you know, what was going on with, like what was coming in the new season, like rumors about it. And someone, this is January 14th. I screenshotted it from my stories. I did an ask me anything Bravo related. And someone asked thoughts on Raquel. And I said, not a bad, this is exactly what I said. Not a bad person, but not an innocent fawn. She got a taste of what the show could do for her and she'll do whatever it takes to keep it like many others, including making out with Garcelle's son and Schwartz, because I guess that had been leaked at this point. She could have a lot of guys and those choices are interesting. Not saying the guys aren't at fault, but she knows what she's doing and she knew it would bother Katie and didn't care. Whether Katie and Raquel are close is irrelevant. They're co-workers and in the same friend group and her and Tom just got divorced. All the people saying Raquel has every right would be so bothered in real life if they were in Katie's position. My opinion on this has not changed at all, by the way. This was my opinion on January 14th. So I do feel that Katie was redeemed this season, and that so was I. Because I got a lot of hate for that opinion. I had quite a few people be like, she's trouble. Um... I also had people who were like, no, Katie's a fucking bitch and she's a bully and she deserves it and da da da. So whatever. And they were like, Raquel is a good girl and like so many people defending Raquel. So I'm not going to lie. I, I, I reveled a little bit and like, I was like, when it came out that Raquel had fucked Sandoval, I was like, just told you, like stick with me. Because I'd also done a reaction to the Vanderpump Rules trailer. And... What did I say? Tom Sandoval annoys me to no end. Um... Okay, I wrote... I also wrote... I hope Raquel gives us something besides innocent fawn in the woods. Because it's getting old. And if she kissed Tom Schwartz, I think that's wrong. Even if they're split up. You don't kiss your friend's exes, even if they're not a close friend, in my opinion. So I wrote that too. Now, somebody replied, okay, and again, this was in January, and said, they replied to my story, and they said, met Raquel while she was with some of her castmates, Sheena, Brock, and Sandoval, and she was not nice at all. I was with them for a couple of hours. The fawn personality is an act, and she was nasty to people all night. Also, maybe seems like she was trying to play the bad girl role, but it came across as a bad look. So that was the DM I got. So that was my other favorite thing. 
was that Katie was redeemed. I felt a little bit redeemed. Well, I felt a lot redeemed. And I was just happy that people could kind of see Raquel for who she really was. Like, that was like, for me, uh, that was a good moment of 2023. I can be petty, guys, honestly. I really can. I, I actually kind of love pettiness sometimes. I think it's funny. Um, all right. My other favorite part of Scandaval was Tom Schwartz on Watch What Happens Live. I loved that. He was such a fucking idiot, but I thought it was the best. Like, I almost enjoyed it more than a lot of the episodes of the show. Like, it was such a train wreck. It was like a train wreck that someone came and poured more gasoline on. And like, it was just, it never ended. Like, I just, I remember, like, not sleeping that night. Like, I watched it, and I was like, what the fuck? And there, I just had so many thoughts. Everyone was talking about it. The memes were hilarious. Making fun of, there's no one funner to make fun of than Tom Schwartz, because he's just, and then I remember Katie, like, replying and being like, two words, media training. Like, (laughs) it was just so bad. That was one of my favorite moments. It was just like he walked in there. He was not prepped at all. And then the other guy was on there. What was his? Was it? It was Rob Lowe's son, I think. And Rob Lowe's son was just like conceded defeat was like, no one cares about me. No one's I'm not going to try and talk about my show like he just (laughs) was just so. And then a lot of people watched his show because they were happy that he just let Tom Schwartz have the, you know, the main speaking points. So that was my third favorite thing. My fourth was Sheena walking out of the courtroom. Sheena, I listen, I've always been anti-Sheena. I've been anti-Sheena since season one, episode one, and I've never wavered. This was my only, I gave, I, every season I give Sheena a chance. Every season. To be honest, every season I give all of them a chance. Even Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz, I used to give it, not anymore, but I used to give them a chance to. No matter what, I always, by the end of the season, would be like, fucking Sandoval, shut up. I just have, he's always grated on my nerves. Um, But that being said, I was, I'm always ready to give Sheena a chance. So, you know, she played this season 10 terribly and she did end up redeeming herself. But now she's gone back on it, of course, because you can never rely on Sheena. Um, actually you can, you can rely on her to be completely self-absorbed and not a girl's girl. So there's that, but her walking out of the courtroom with the like power suit, but it's like a hot modern power suit and she looks like really good and she's got the umbrella and she's like, you know, talking about how Raquel wasted the court's time and how there's real people who actually need this And it's, you know, her abusing of restraining. And, like, it was just perfect. It was such a boss moment. And Sheena has so few of those. Like, that and her speech to Sandoval were probably her only two, like, boss moments in her whole time on television. (laughs) I'll stand by that. Well, actually, no, because that wasn't on television. I was going to say her punching Raquel was probably one of them, if she did punch her, which I still think she probably did. I'm fine with it. I'm just saying she probably did. So that was another one. My next favorite Scandaval moment was was just Katie, Lala, and James's comebacks and shade on social media. Not all of them, because as the time went on, Lala and James were getting to be kind of annoying, especially Lala. But at the beginning, it was really fun. So 
James responding to like making fun of um, Sandoval's band. So I wrote the quote down. He's like, the saggy old banner in the back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's grandpa and the most cornballs. I'm not going to try to do an accent right now. That was hilarious. And then Lala sent it to Daryl. And then Katie talking about Joe. This is not really Scandaval related, but she was said when she was explaining why she didn't like Joe, like Tom's Tom's roommate. She was like, Joe is spooky. <laughs> Just like that is the most random descriptor. And I like I can't wait to see her on the new season because I want to see if she's quote unquote spooky. So another one of my favorite moments was from the reunion. Um, when James was getting scolded by Andy and he told him to sit back in his seat and he's, and he's like, I'm going the right way for a smack bottom, Andy, or whatever he said. And Andy was just, Andy was so annoyed that he wouldn't sit down. But then when James said that, he just burst out laughing because he just couldn't help it. I, I will always like just Andy, like leaning over him, like lecturing him like a toddler. I'll just, I'll always love that. Um, another one was Howie Mandel. So he was not one of my favorite moments, but him getting dragged was one of my favorite moments. I just like the idea that he had no idea. And then he got into it. He had no idea what he was getting into. He thought this was like a little reality TV show, you know, interview. And then it blowing up and him getting like borderline canceled and harassed stopping posting on Twitter. Like it just, he had no fucking idea, which is his own fault, but it was just hilarious to me. Um, the other thing that I loved about Scannaval was that Real Housewives of Beverly Hills became second fiddle. Um, it was no longer the highest rated. And the reason, like, I don't even care. It's just that I know it annoyed Kyle because it's Lisa Vanderpump's show. Even though she's not really on it and stuff, she is an executive producer. It's Her name is the fucking title. So as much as people want to be like, oh, it doesn't, she's not even on it. Da, da, it doesn't matter. It's still, if it's successful, it reflects on her. So it's like, you know, it's her baby in a way. And you know that they were all so jealous when that show, when LVP got a spinoff. And just the way they bullied her off the show, like, I just love, I know, I know Kyle Richards and all of them were salty that Scandaval was, like, the biggest thing. Even, like, the fact that, like, none of them really talked about it or ever even mentioned it in interviews, social media, like, you know, it just shows. They're jealous. And, you know, some of the, like, Kyle kind of trying to do her own Scandaval with Mauricio and it has kind of failed. Yeah. I get a little pleasure from that. Like, but Kyle just, like, Kyle will never be able to do something like Scandaval, even if Mauricio did cheat on her, because, which he definitely did, but it'll never happen because Kyle is never going to be willing to put things out there the way that the Vanderpump Rules cast does. Like, Kyle would not have picked up the phone and told the producers the way that Ariana did. It just, it just wouldn't. She just wouldn't do that. Because as much as she wants a big scandal and she is trying to kind of do it with, with this whole Mauricio divorce, she can't fully relinquish control. That's just Kyle's personality. 
because at the end of the day, she still wants to control the narrative. So my other favorite moment, another favorite moment was when, okay, on the finale episode where James calls Raquel on the phone, <laughs> he's like, oh, you sacrificed everything for for Sandoval's little cocky cock and he's just like going on and the girls are like trying not to laugh and Allie goes and like hides in the kitchen that is like one of my favorite scenes just the fact that Raquel even why did she pick up the phone like she's such a dodo head but oh my god that is one of my favorite scenes it was just so funny like James just has her on speakerphone he'll just says whatever he wants to say he's like Oh, how do you feel now that you've lost everyone who you ever thought was a friend in LA? Like just, <laughs> um, and then my last two things, favorite things about Scandaval were, uh, oh yeah. How we made it to CNN and New York times. Like, I just feel like, you know, it's kind of like we were like, I just feel like Scandaval being in those, it's kind of like we all were, you know, but it was just, no, I'm kidding, obviously, but it's like, it was almost like it what's it called? It, what is the word I'm looking for? It validated that this scandal was, you know, like next level, right? Because, you know, oh, those reality TV shows, like this was like penetrated everything. No pun intended. But this was like, we've made it beyond the Bravo world, which in a lot of ways I'm like, because mm, I'm a little bit of a gatekeeper with that. But it was like it was like all of our outrage was validated because the larger world was also like, whoa, OK, what the fuck? You know, it wasn't just like, oh, this is just Bravo fans being crazy. The other thing that I liked about Scandaval, this is the last thing on my Scandaval list is and this is the other, you know, big moment is Ali turning out to not be Raquel 2.0. I was really worried like, when we saw her in the preview, I was like, oh, no, we have another Raquel. And she just looks like she's, like, 12 years old. She looks so young. So I was like, oh, fuck. Um, but I really liked Allie. So I thought that was, like, that was one of my favorite moments. You know, I don't necessarily think James is a good person. And I think Allie should probably date someone who's not crazy. But that being said, I like her on her own as a person. And I was really happy to see that she was not like the next Raquel. Now, there's still time for her to become thirsty, but at least she has a personality. She can speak sentences that are coherent and she has her own viewpoints and opinions. And she's much more willing to like tell off James, which I also appreciate. And God, who knew she would be like the whistleblower of the season with with seeing uh, Raquel and Tom at at the Abbey. Okay, so, I mean, listen, we're not going to get another Scandaval. If we do, it's going to be in like 15 years. Like that was like a once in a decade thing. So, you know, we all have to just accept that. And well, I think we have all accepted that. I think it's like the reality TV people who have not accepted that because they like I think some people are like trying to make it happen again. It's not going to happen again. So just, you know, and if it happens, it'll be organic. So another big moment of 2023, this might not be one of the biggest moments, but I put it because it was the biggest moment for me 
was Bryn in my DMs. <laughs> that was a big thing. Listen, you know, I posted the Twitter joke about, which by the way, was not even my tweet. But anyways, I posted the tweet about seeking arrangements or that that's how she gets some of her money from seeking arrangements. Someone tagged her in it, which I later noticed because like I don't always look at the comments right away or I might like and I definitely didn't like I like posted the Twitter roundup, went to bed, went to work the next day. I didn't even check my phone till after work. It was a it was a big moment because like it was in page six. I ended up getting like 2000 new followers, you know, it, like I had like a whole episode about it, which if you want to have all the details, I have a podcast episode all about what happened. And it was just in another way, it was like a disappointing moment because Bryn was like Bryn was one of my favorites and I really liked her. So I thought, you know, I really thought it was like a light hearted ribbing. Like I did not think that that joke was that anyone was like really taking it seriously or giving a shit. I really didn't. Because people just make such worse jokes about housewives and there have like I would say that joke about housewives looking for a rich guy or sugar daddy. It's been made a gajillion times. Like, I don't know why. It's just because Bryn and no one even cared that 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 Twitter roundup I did. It didn't even get that much action. Like, it wasn't even, like, one of my most seen or liked or commented on. It, it became that because Bryn shared it. I kind of wish she would unblock me now. Because now that, like, the dust has settled, it's been a little while, I don't know. I do wonder if she would be willing to listen to, like, reason. But whatever. I don't care that much, so I'm not going to pursue it. But... I did think it was interesting, though, that like, you know, the preview at the preview for the reunion, they're like, what are you the most excited about or what has been like your rose and thorn? And she said, oh, some fans have been mean to me. And it was like within the week that that had happened. So I think it's interesting. This cast, like I've talked about this before, this New York cast, they they have issues with social media. I am. That's why I'm, I'm excited for season two. And I caught, I caught Sai being like at the reunion, like, yeah, Bryn, I've been like good friends with you for like 10 years. I don't know what you do. So I do hope that it's a storyline. Either this is what's going to happen. Either Bryn is going to film some scenes working where she completely fakes it for the cameras. Because I think the reason there's no scenes or footage of her working is because she doesn't really work. That's just my opinion. Um, and I don't think, I don't think it's because Bravo gave her a bad edit. Like, I'm not buying into that. She's had too many contradictions at this point. She said she only has to work 10 hours a week because, um, she's so successful. She can do consulting for 10 hours a week. So that was one thing she said. Then at the reunion, she said she works a nine to five and that Sai knows where she works, but then didn't say. And then in her DMs to me, she said she works so much and so many hours that sometimes she couldn't even film with the cast because of how much she was working. So which one is it? Because those are all very different and contradictory. So I am curious to see how she portrays this next season because I think it's going to be top of her mind. All right. The number three big moment. These are, I mean, 
besides Scandaval being number one, the rest are kind of in no order. They're just what I think were big moments for 2023. Um, with Shannon getting a DUI. <sighs> I think the writing, you know, the writing was on the wall for a while for Shannon Bedore in terms of like drinking. And by a while, I mean, since her like first episode. It, it is funny, though, because like Shannon has still not admitted that she has a drinking problem. And she could say she has a drinking problem without having to say alcoholic. But she doesn't even seem to really want to do that. And then recently I saw that she's kind of going over to this place of saying like she was targeted by police because she's famous and they're making an example out of her. And I'm like, Shannon, we saw the footage of you driving into a house pretty much <laughs> like I and then pretending to walk your like, yeah, it, you're not targeted. And I'm, you know, I'm a little worried about her. Like, I hope she's sober because now with Alexis dating uh, John Jansen, like, that is the kind of thing that could send her to spiral, especially if they hire Alexis for next season, which everyone thinks they're going to, but we don't know for sure. I'm also, I'm wondering if Shannon will protest, like, be like, I'm not going to sign my contract if you hire Alexis. I don't know. But probably not. I mean, there's one thing you could say about Shannon. She's willing to show shit on camera. That's kind of why she was like one of the best new hires in Bravo history. Her first season, like she fucking laid it out there. All right. So my number four big moment is Kyle and Mauricio, even though Kyle fumbled the whole thing. Um, it is still it was still a huge moment. I do. I think the reason it hasn't like panned out as well is partly because Kyle, like I said, Kyle's controlled. They'll only share what they want to share, etc. But it's also because, you know, they just, they gave, wait, I don't know, how do I say this? Kyle cannot relinquish control. That's the main reason. And they're just not willing to just show the rawness fully when the cameras are up. So that's the other thing. Sorry, it took me a second to work out my thoughts on that. I was trying to figure out how to say it. But yeah, when the cameras are on, you can tell that shit is not good with Kyle and Mauricio, like watching this season. But they still are kind of acting, like, especially Mauricio, he's still calling her love bean. He's still trying to, like, act the part on camera. And even Kyle kind of is. It's like, you know, she wants everyone to ask her about Morgan, but she won't say it. Oh my god, everyone's wondering about my relationship. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, of course they are. Like, she's just, she's playing it the way that Kyle plays it, but she's doing it all wrong. Because this season has been actually really good so far. And not really because of Kyle and Mauricio, actually. More because of Sutton. And Sutton, like, coming after her. And then now with, like, the new conflict of people talking about Sutton being an alcoholic. Although, it's like, Kyle is good at deflecting. Because now we're mostly talking about that. But then on the other side, you could tell Kyle kind of wants people to ask her. So this is why it doesn't work. Because it's not, it's as fake as possible. Whereas the Vanderpump Rules cast, they they know how to bring it. 
Um, so number five big moment was Carl breaking up with Lindsay. Now, is this like a shocker? No, it's more just shocking how it happened. Like when I saw that they were together and they were a couple and all this stuff, I'm not going to lie. Like I never thought it was going to last. Like I thought they'd break up at some point. Um, but I thought it would be like maybe a divorce after they were married. Like maybe they'd be married for like a year and then they'd get divorced or it would be like sooner into the engagement. But then, you know, once they were getting like close to the wedding, I was like, okay, so they're going to at least get married and then they'll probably break up. Like they'll be like, maybe like Katie and Tom, except shorter lived. Because you could just tell that relationship was fucked up. Does not excuse how Danielle acted, by the way, last season on Summer House. Just a little asterisk there. Um, but then for him to call it off, like, weeks before the wedding, that I was not expecting. I thought he would, like, <laughs> I thought he would at least wait. Here's the thing with Carl. Carl is inherently a fuckboy. And the thing about fuckboys is that they're too scared to just face things head on. They're the kind of guys that will just treat you like garbage until you break up with them or like gaslight you until you can't take it anymore. Um, and I bet you he tried that with Lindsay, but it wasn't working because Lindsay is so laser focused and obsessed with her like timeline and getting married. And that's that's Lindsay's fault. But I bet you like he I guarantee you he was like being shitty to her so that she would break up with him. Because I think Carl is a wuss. I think he's a scaredy cat. I think he's kind of scared of Lindsay and didn't want to break up with her. Partly because he's scared and also partly because he doesn't didn't want to look like the bad guy. So I think when he says, oh, I think you're all going to see next season, like, you know, that things were not good. We're going to see, I think we're going to see some gaslighting and we're going to see him just being like kind of a shitty fiance. And he's going to hope that we all focus on Lindsay's reactions to that instead of on how he's acting, which a lot of people will. He's right. I won't be one of them. But I do think that he's his ultimate goal is to not be the fuck boy because he was for so long and then he wasn't. And I think he really liked it. I think he liked being like the golden child, sober golden child of Bravo. I think he kind of enjoyed that new persona and everyone loving him because why wouldn't you? Everybody would. Right. However, I don't think it's going his way right now because Partly because the season hasn't aired, but also aired, but also partly because like when you break up with someone before their wedding, so close, no matter who it is, it, people are going to be annoyed and people are going to be like, yeah, I can understand why she's hurt. And that's just that, right? So, and I, like, I think people get annoyed, not because like you can, like I've always said, like you can break up with someone if you don't want to be with them. That's fine. It's the idea that he's such a wuss that he waits till the last second. Like if he knew, I think he knew way soon. Like I think in his head, he was like, this is, this can't happen for a long time. But I think the train kept moving and he didn't know how to get off the train. And then as the train got closer to the last stop, he was like, fuck, this is my last chance. And he finally just jumped off. And that's why the way he did it was probably so shitty and hurtful. 
Um, you know, she described it on her interview with Nick Vial of him, like, sleeping in another room and basically not talking to him for, like, more than him not talking to her for, like, a full day. And then the cameras just showed up. That's why he did it like that, because he didn't know. He's, he panicked. So, yeah. We will see. That is one season I am really... I'm almost looking forward to this season of Summer House more than Vanderpump Rules. I feel like I know what Vanderpump Rules is going to be. And Summer House, I... I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> Especially with, like, we had the... The friendships that kind of dissolved with Danielle and Lindsay. And now they're fr Like, I want to see how that happened. Like... I think Summer House, the next season is gonna, I think it has potential to be interesting. Okay, my number six big moment of 2023 was the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Morocco being shelved because of Brandy allegedly harassing Caroline Manso. I don't know where the fuck I stand on this. I am always one who's like, believe the person who says they were harassed or victimized. But then you have people like... Then you have Brandy is so steadfast in that she did not do this. And Phaedra and, the, and even others on the cast are so steadfast in supporting Brandy. And like, I think Brandy can get inappropriate when she's drunk and handsy. So I could see her like joking around and going too far. I could totally see that. So my initial, you know, gut reaction is to believe Caroline Manzo, even though I'm not a Caroline Manzo fan, but I'm not really a Brandy fan either. I don't like either of them really. But then with Phaedra saying she was there, Phaedra's like, I was there. I saw it. Roll the tapes. And then Brandy being like, roll the tapes, like their confidence in that, like it, I, it is making people question. I see people questioning. And there are a lot of people who are like, Caroline Manso would make something like this up because she's trying to, because she got some kind of bad edit or she did something that she doesn't want people to see or she participated in something. And she has, you know, we know she has a very carefully curated image. So that is a conspiracy theory, of course, but we love Bravo conspiracy theories over here. I would hope not. Like, I like to live in the world where I somebody would not make that up. You know, just for that reason. Because that's really gross. But this is also the Bravo world, which is like one of the most toxic, dysfunctional worlds. So, yeah. So as of now, you know, we believe the victim, the alleged victim, until, you know, we know otherwise. And I mean, to me, Bravo has a responsibility, though, to clear this up, to look into it and to clear it up for the public, not just like with their HR department, because this has become public. It's all over social media. And if it's not true, it is ruining Brandy's life in many ways. Um, and that's not fair. And if it is true, then there needs to be some kind of report or something so that it can at least, you know be put to rest. And so that maybe Brandy can, you know, apologize or go to rehab or do whatever she needs to do to make sure she stops being a fucking creep. Again, if that's what happened. 
but we don't know. It's a tough situation. It's a very tough situation. All right, let's go to number seven. One of the big things for me this year was divorces and breakups. This was a big divorce breakup year, not just in the Bravo world, but in like the celebrity world in general. So we have Shannon and John, Lisa uh, from Orange County, Lisa and Lenny from Miami, Kim and Croy, and Mia and Gordon from Potomac. I mean, Lisa and Lenny and Kim and Croy have been by far the most contentious. Shannon has been less than normal in her reactions. Like, sometimes I have fights that paralyze me, <laughs> whatever. Um, but Shannon and John, I think that one is the most clear cut. Like, it's like, this guy was just kind of an asshole. Like, Shannon can be crazy. She probably annoyed him. But this guy seems like an asshole and he seems thirsty. Especially now that he's dating Alexis. He's like, he is the next Slade. So that one's pretty clear cut. Lisa and Lenny has become more interesting to me lately. I think some people are getting sick of it. I actually think it's more interesting now that we're seeing the girls on Miami sort of not turning on Lisa, but they're kind of questioning some things. Like, why are you spending 10K on Instacart? Why are you still driving that car that he has, even though that's the one that he says there was a listening device in? Don't you want to not use it? You know, and they're, they are kind of like, why would you like come right to Julia's party after you had this big fight with Lenny in front of the kids where the police were called? Wouldn't you want to stay home with your kids? Like, and listen, I'm going to say this. I do think the girls are asking some valid questions. However, at the end of the day, he left her for a fucking 24 year old or whatever. I agree with Adriana. He left her. And he was the one having an affair. And he probably did walk in and start trying to start verbally harassing her and things like that. And, you know, why she called the maybe she shouldn't have called the police. I don't know. But I like I can't judge her for that unless we're in that situation. I do think, though, I do think that she needs to, the one thing that I think Lisa needs to take ownership of is her spending. She's clearly like, she likes to shop. She's got expensive taste. She's been able to for a long time. That's something she needs to work on. She also needs to go to therapy. Maybe she is. And she needs to stop talking to Jody about it. Those are all the things she needs to do. Everything else, I'm happy to blame Lenny. I think he's a physical and emotional abuser, probably. That's just my opinion. Definitely emotional. We've seen that. Um, and I think he, I, I do think he does things to get her wound up. And then when she gets wound up, he uses her wound up moments against her. Like classic gaslighting kind of thing. However, that doesn't mean that she doesn't also spend too much money. You know what I mean? Like both of those things can be true. Okay. And it doesn't mean that she can't, like, maybe be more, like, she's not cognizant enough of when her kids are around. Like, even on the last episode, they're in ballet and she starts, like, complaining on the phone to, who was it, Adriana on the phone, I think. And the kids are right there. Like, she needs to be more cognizant of that. Okay. Um, Kim and Croy, that was a huge one. 
I mean, every update of their relationship was like, I felt like it was being shoved in my face against my will this year. But I mean, at when it first came out, everybody was shook because they were like a couple that everyone was like, wow, they're in love. They keep shooting out kids like it's their hobby. Like, although everyone knew Kim was fucked in the head and, you know, like, I don't think anyone thought they were like, perfect but people thought they were kind of good together like for each other like that they were both like crazy and whatever (laughs) maybe it worked for them I don't know I think it was just one of those ones where people people just expected it to last and it didn't so it was shocking I was shocked by it now as time has gone on and the curtains have been open more and more I'm not shocked it seems like she's an addict, spending and gambling. And that has driven him to, you know, financial ruin. And on the other side, it seems like he is probably or maybe abusive in which specific ways. I don't know. But based on the last police video, it looks bad. So it just looks like, yeah. It looks like he's, like, not allowing her to leave when she wants to leave. You know, he's screaming and yelling and losing his shit. And I'm not saying he doesn't have good reason to be mad. But I'm getting the impression that there's maybe some kind of abuse going on. This is not one of those, like, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, Kim is a, she's fucked and look what she did. And she drove him to this. And then there's other people that are like, oh, but Croy is abusive and these, this. This is one of those situations I think there's almost equal blame. I think he was a little naive going into the relationship with her about who she was. I think they're both bad with money. Because even him, like, letting her spend like that, like, and I'm not saying, like, it it was, a lot of it was his money. So, you know, there it seems like there was no budgeting. And, like, everything that he ever made has been, is gone. Which is fucked up. All right. Then last is Mia and Gordon. Mia and Gordon, you know, we've seen some stuff online. We knew they were getting separated and divorced. And, you know, we had that video where Gordon was, like, saying that she only married him for his money. And I was kind of like, duh. And so was everyone. So no one really cared because everyone knew that already. And I think it just kind of made him look dumber because everyone's like, yeah, are you stupid? Like, what do you think? Um, And then now in the mid-season preview for Potomac, we see him with like that new line, which I love, where he's like, she's like, it's not fair. And he's like, you want fair? Go to the carnival. I thought that was hilarious. I've been using it whenever my daughter says something's not fair and she cracks up laughing like she thinks it's the funniest thing. So <laughs> take it to your children, everyone. So I think we are going to see more of the contention between them. But right now on the show, they're still kind of playing it like they're having problems, but they're getting therapy. So big year, big year for divorces and breakups. Another divorce and breakup that happened this year was Lisa Rinna leaving Beverly Hills, which was kind of a breakup. But this is my number eight big moment. And if you're saying that it was 2022, it actually technically was officially announced by People Magazine on January 5th, 
2023, the day after my birthday. I'm a January 4th baby. There, now you all know something about me. More. <laughs> so Lisa Rinna left, which I think that was my birthday gift from Bravo last year. They were like, here you go, Lisa Rinna off BH. I liked Lisa Rinna her first couple seasons. I thought she was fun, messy, fucking dramatic and crazy. Like she was a good housewife. The problem is she got sloppy and she also got like just a little repetitive. Like it's like we know the game now, so it's not interesting. Like we know exactly what every move you're making, why you're making it and how you're making it. So it really just it wasn't fun anymore. And her selling all the stories was like, it was like, we knew everything. Like the fact that we didn't know anything for this new Beverly Hills season, except for like Kyle and Mo, this season has been amazing so far. Like I'm loving this season and the ratings are high and Erica's better without Lisa. Like I'm just so happy. It makes me so happy that the show is better now without her and that the ratings are still good and that she can go cry somewhere. I really don't give a shit. But that was a big thing because she was like a staple character on Beverly Hills for years. She's been on that show a long time. And I think I really think that Lisa Rinna thought the show wouldn't be good without her because I don't think she had any faith in some of the newer cast members. But she she was wrong. And I also like how her leaving has. It has. It's had this ripple effect in that Erica's able to establish friendships with Sutton and Garcelle, and the three of them are great together. Garcelle and Erica are hilarious, and they have good banter. And the other ripple effect is that instead of, like, obsessing over one, you know, storyline that isn't even that great for an entire season, we've had, like, so many things and we're able to have fights and things that happen, wrap up, and then we move to the next one. Like, the show is much more how it used to be in the early seasons, and I like that. And a lot of people do. And that's why it's doing well. The other thing is that it's put Dorit in a weird place. Like, not just that, but like, I think Kyle having Morgan... I might be one of the few people who I did think that they had a relationship, like a sexual relationship, but I actually now I don't. I think they're just friends. Like, I'm like fully convinced that Kyle and Morgan are not a couple. Just after seeing her talk to that therapist, I really think she's using Morgan as like a replacement for her friend who passed. Not as like, obviously not a literal replacement, but she wants someone who's like that close, who she like talks to every day and she feels, and, and I think she wants someone who's not a character on the show. So she can say whatever, be real with them and not have to worry about it being brought up as a storyline or whatever. So I think that's why Morgan has replaced Dorit in that sense. Because I think Kyle is smart enough and seasoned enough to know that you can't trust anyone. Because, I mean, look how Erica at BravoCon last year all of a sudden randomly decided to throw Dorit and PK under the bus. Like, I think Kyle knows that, like, you really cannot trust anyone once the cameras are up. So I think Morgan is, like, an emotional support for her. 
you know, I think she's not ready to maybe date or be in a relationship. And I think she also just enjoys keeping us all guessing because it's a good storyline. And I think she was somewhat trying to create a scandal. So it's really left Dorit like alone. It's kind of interesting to watch. Like Dorit like kind of has no one right now. <laughs> like, I also think Dorit's embarrassing herself. Like she's kind of like standing up for Kyle, but then she's like on her own. Like when we were at that party last week on the episode, they were at that Taco Tuesday. Like, where was Kyle when Dorit was getting eviscerated? Just saying. Okay, so Lisa Rinna leaving. Big thing, had a lot of ripple effects. Okay, the other thing that happened in 2023 that seems like it was forever ago because it happened... All this stuff that happened before Scandaval seems like years ago. Was Jen Shaw started her jail sentence. I think this didn't have as much of an impact as maybe we thought it would. Like, it was a big deal while it was happening. But since then, it's like, okay, she's in jail. What else is there to say? It became interesting because Elizabeth Holmes went to the same jail. And then there's, like, randomly we'll get press releases of, like, Jen Shaw is doing, like, an ab workout class. Is, like, teaching hairdressing and nails and all this stuff. So, like, that stuff's kind of funny. But besides that... I mean, I think the best thing about Jen Shaw going to jail was that she left the show and, again, like Lisa, a ripple effect and we're having, like, the best season of Salt Lake City ever. She must be, I mean, she might not know because she's in jail, but I'm just thinking how much does she know? I think she has people who tell her. The show's doing really fucking well. Sorry, Jen. There was a big jump in the ratings last week, so... Keep it going, people. Watch Salt Lake City. Bye, Jen. All right. The last thing I have on my biggest moments of 2023 was Taylor and Austin. This one I would put at, not at the very bottom, but towards the bottom. I don't think it's like the biggest thing, but it is pretty big. Um, It's funny because it was like during Scandaval when people were like, I can't remember. There was some comment on something where people were like, oh, we thought Austin was the worst guy on Bravo, but it's Tom Sandoval. And then Austin replied and was like, don't worry, there's still time for me to disappoint you, which I thought was really funny. But obviously he was talking about the Taylor thing. (laughs) Now, this cast has dragged this storyline out this whole fucking season. I'm not going to lie. I'm getting a little bit sick of it. However, the most recent episode kind of made up for it. Because when Olivia overhears Taylor talking about her on the balcony in Jamaica, that was a good scene. I was like, holy shit. She's lucky all Olivia did was storm in and be like, are you stupid? I can hear you. Because it could have been a lot worse. So those were the big moments of 2023. There are others. If you have others that you can think of, you know. Let me know in the comments, because there's definitely more. I went through, like, my whole archive of stories to make sure I had the big things. (laughs) Okay. So, if you are a regular podcast listener, the end is right here. And I just want to say that I hope you have a fantastic new year and all the best 
in 2024. And hopefully we get, you know, another amazing year of Bravo drama that we can all use to escape from our real lives. <laughs> all right. So wishing you an amazing holiday, new year, and all the best from me, Bravo, and Botox. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend or a hundred friends, whatever you want. You can follow me on Instagram at the Bravo Papers, or for my Twitter roundups, follow at Bravo and Botox. If you'd like to support me, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash Bravo and Botox for some much needed caffeine support. And until next time, keep overanalyzing Bravo.